0: I invite you to check out CuriousApes.com, an artistic, philosophical, and intellectual meeting place to reflect and discuss the state of humanity and the cutting edge discoveries that could alter the paradigm of the human condition, all with the goal of promoting humanism and self-actualization. So check out Curious Apes and you'll be happy you did. Mike Morris of Haverhill, a market town in civil parish just northeast of London, while dressed accordingly, is actually not Santa Claus. But he is indeed one of Santa's helpers, a bell ringer, a sentinel of the big metal red donation bucket. And this holiday season, he got quite a surprise after collecting coins and bills all day alongside Father Christmas at an outdoor event. After helping to pack Santa up into his wooden sleigh atop four-wheeled trailer, He headed back to his car with a bucket of loose change to deliver to the local Rotary Club. The sturdy container held nearly 120 quid, or 150 U.S. dollars in this post-Brexit world. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a thief attacks him from behind and takes off by foot with the heavy loot. Passersby give chase, and the police catch the bandit red-handed later that day. Meanwhile, in Wisconsin at Walmart, another man has wanted for stealing donations to a Salvation Army kettle. It was actually his own bin, except he wasn't really Santa's helper. Police believe he was actually the same man who stole that same kettle the previous year from the same Walmart and then returned this year with the empty kettle to fake a charity collection. Store workers questioned the man who has found San's characteristic Salvation Army apron and placard, and he quickly took off with kettle in tow. Finally, for nine-year-old Anthony in Forest City, North Carolina, visiting Santa ended up troublesome, if not a bit ironic. When Anthony met Santa at a town holiday event, the tubby, cookie-loving, bowl full of jellied elf himself went rogue and chided the child with weight loss advice, cautioning the boy to, quote, lay off the hamburgers and french fries. Nine-year-old Anthony broke out into tears and told his mother, who filed a complaint with the local powers that be, Evidently, the town Santa was merely an imposter. And according to one Forest City official, the individual formerly known as Santa is no longer with the town. All year long, while many of us are nice, some among us are indeed naughty. And Christmas has a way of dealing with these troublemakers one way or another. This time on the StoryCast, You better watch out. Chapter 1. Christmas Past In this westernized, Americanized, Christianized world, Christmas is pretty tame and predictable. From Black Friday through that magical final week of the year, our big box stores, fireplace mantles, and holiday spirits are in general adorned with the archetypical sights and sounds of the seasons, from flashy lights and jingle bells to the tubby guy with the red suit and the baby messiah himself. Here in America, you could say that Christmas is itself as American as apple pie. It's an institution. It's beyond tradition and folklore. It's a way of life through the first half of the winter for the vast majority of people. But the traditional American Christmas is compartmentalized from other traditions born in Europe much the same way that we here have bastardized quote Mexican or quote Chinese food here in the States. And I'm not just talking about Jolly St. Nick or Father Christmas or who grandfathered the Christmas legends and rituals we hold dear. There are some terrifying quote Christmas legends and lore from all over the world. I'm talking grisly, sinister, gruesome even. So much so that it's as if our innocuous institution of Christmas misses the mark. For much of the world, Christmas is built on a healthy dose of danger and fear, if not primarily to aid in a little parenting throughout the preceding year. So grab some ginger snaps and a hot cocoa or a nice heady stout and dive with us into a macabre holiday history of intrigue and terror. A long cloak, pointed hood, fur around his neck a long white beard and a big bag. This nefarious character is no Santa Claus, rather another character entirely. We're speaking of Belsnickel, a crotchety gift bringer known to much of the German speaking world. Belsnickel crept from myths into 19th century accounts in Germany. He's a dark servant of the venerated Saint Nicholas who visits children begrudgingly. He dresses in menacing disguise, torn, tattered, dirty clothing. He dons a mask from which slithers a long tongue. Sure, Santa has his naughty and nice list and keeps the coal handy for the kids who fall short, but Bellsniggle takes matters into his own hands each year. He totes along with him a long wooden switch made of hazel with which to scare and beat the naughty children. And if you happen to pass the bell curve, you might expect a small cake or candy from his sack. But as he passed through your town every year on the same night after dark, you feared that hazel switch had magical properties that stung like the dickens in 1800s pennsylvania bells nickel would arrive in the dark of night unannounced a week or two before christmas and he would harshly rap on the windows or doors of children known to misbehave and those children would be expected to sing a song or entertain him perhaps in return for tossing a few treats instead of a switching bells nickels even crept into popular culture in america in the tv show the office as well as multiple Pennsylvania breweries who brew Bell's Nickel ales and lagers. A frightening gift toter who spares not the rod lest he spoil the child. Bell's Nickel is surely a dark passenger for parental discipline, far from the bowl full of jelly known to most American children. But in some circles, Christmas gets even darker. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. If Clement Seymour's timeless portrayal of the admired Kris Kringle tells a tale of magic and generosity, then there must also be an anti-hero to the story, right? Derived from Austro-Bavarian Alpine folklore, well before the modern era, the pagan tale of Krampus embodies the polar opposite of what most of us think about Christmas, horror and torture, the ultimate boogeyman. Legend goes that Krampus is the ultimate Christmas demon, a companion to St. Nick, who does the Christmas dirty work. As a misbehaving child of the old world, you would expect something darker and harsher than a lump of coal on Christmas Eve. If you have been bad that year, Krampus would find you and punish you. A horned, hairy, fanged, half goat, half devil who ascends from hell under the watchful eye of jolly Saint Nick. Krampus thrashes about with chains and bells before kidnapping the bad kids and stowing them away in bags or baskets strapped to his back. Where he'd take them, only legend knows because the Taken children would never return. But likely he'd cart those bad eggs off to his demonic lair to beat, torture, eat and drown before descending with their leftovers straight back to hell. You can't make this stuff up, or can you? Perceptibly also an ancient, if not callous parenting device, the idea of Krampus and Saint Nick as his accomplice lingers in the minds of some children every year and has for over two millennia. Many European locales celebrate Krampus night to this day, and many even exchange Krampus carton greeting cards with humorous poems and rhymes. Although adorning festive postcards and candy tins, Krampus has obviously been shunned repeatedly by the church for his purely evil and sexual undertones even. The story of Krampus personifies the opposite of the Americanized Christmas spirit and still lives in the minds of one-eyed open children all around the world on Christmas Eve. This final holiday tale is as offensive as it is monstrous, and that's because racism should be as disgusting as monsters literally harming or consuming children. Because that's exactly what stereotyping does, after all. Black Peter, known to much of Holland and beyond as Zwarte Piet, is a servant of good old Saint Nick who delivers sweets and presents to boys and girls, but his sensation as part of the winter celebration is not so tame. His depiction goes beyond gift-giving and political correctness to a level of societal racism that might just stop you in your tracks. As legend goes, Zwarte Pete emerged as a 19th century servant to the high-flying, gift toting Sinterklaas, the granddaddy of all St. Nicholas tales. Zwarte Pete was originally a fire-scorched devil who was tamed by St. Nick and taken captive from the moorlands of Spain. Zuarte Pete was one of an army of agents for St. Nick who would stand at the chimney holes of homes and listen in below to decide who was naughty and who was nice. If you were good, he'd report back accordingly to St. Nick. If not, maybe you'd escape with a simple flogging by switch, lest he carry you away in his kid-sized kidnapping sack. Even though modern-day apologists contend that Zuarte Pete is simply a dirty-faced chimney-sweep, The real evil rears its head every December 5th in the Netherlands and Belgium and parts all over even today, where Zwarte Piet rides into town adorned in Renaissance-era garb, ceremoniously festooned in blackface makeup, exaggerated red plump lips, curly wool hair, and large golden earrings. Welcomed by festivals and businesses and school functions alike, Zwarte Piet is an obvious depiction of a clown-like fear-mongering, subservient race, even regarded by modern-day comedian Russell Brand as a, quote, Dutch colonial hangover. Many Dutch have met this flagrant racism with debate and opposition over the years, with a 2013 study claiming that 90% of citizens associate Zwarte Piet with slavery, and a 2015 study showing that young schoolchildren view Zwarte Piet as a clown. As the vibrant Zwarte Piet festivals have continued over the decades, many attempts have been made to play up his dark-skinned appearance as descent from Italian heritage, with some changing his face color from black to bronze or orange. But many traditionalists fight back, claiming that the traditional figure is an integral chapter of Dutch cultural heritage. But isn't all intolerance and prejudice anchored deep in the past, usually strung out far too long, until morality and decency and humanity finally sets in? History shows us that parenting leads to creating legend, to encourage children to do good, lest something fearful creep in after you in the middle of the night. In the case of Zwarte Piet, the opposite is also true. Legend allows evil to creep in as parents turn a blind eye, and damaging stereotypes destroy the children. Encountering a dreadful subhuman who has the power to destroy you is the epitome of fear and in many cases around the world for children, the spirit of Christmas is bound to this certain evil. So, let this be a lesson for our seemingly innocuous Americanized Christmas, our safe, tame, wholesome Christmas, full of jingle jangle and holly jolly. Maybe there is an evil hiding within, and maybe it's not a literal monster. Maybe it's the lack thereof. Maybe our extravagant celebrating and over decorating and excessive gift giving Maybe that's the real monster hiding in the depths. Maybe we overdo it a little bit, and with nothing breathing down our necks. With no fear other than a legendary but never materialized threat of a stocking full of coal. Maybe the message to our children and to each other of automatic Christmas magic and consummate consumption and nine million presents for all is an evil in itself. Maybe, just maybe around this time of year, we could use a nice healthy dose of Christmas fear, along with Christmas cheer. To do good, lest the monsters seek us out. Chapter Two, Christmas Present. Be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. We never know who's paying attention to the things that we say or do or ask for, so live your life accordingly and be the change you want to see. This next story is absolutely true. The email that tells the story? Well, that's up to your imagination. Attention, Santa Claus. Support ticket, 0711432. Importance, high. Subject, immediate action requested. Dear Santa, You probably don't know me, but my name is Melf. Elf class E6 of the letter reading division here at the North Pole. I'm sending you this email today to bring an important crisis to your attention. I've tried repeatedly to phone your office, but obviously it's a busy time of year for you. And I know that we letter reading elves are sworn to the duty of reading and classifying and logging gift requests and acquisitions to the gift giving database to be approved by yourself and the ministry of Naughty or Nice but this week I read a letter that I believe deserves your immediate eyes and heart. Santa, I don't want to be a waste of your time, but I think you're going to want to read this one. See attached PDF. It's from Arnulfo Guerrera Jr. of Houston, Texas. I'll summarize. Arnulfo is 12 and clearly states that he believes in you, Santa, and Christmas miracles, which initially says a lot considering the rampant doubt of children under their teens. The issue, Santa, is with Arnulfo's mother, You see, she's in need of a heart transplant due to an artery condition. Arnulfo says that all he wants for Christmas this year is a healthy heart for his mom. And Santa, if that wasn't enough, he goes on to point out that she's only 46 and that both he and his father need her around for many more years. In summary, he points out that his only want is to see his mother healthy and happy. He offers his thanks, Santa. Now, I know that we can't do much in the medical arena. I know that our hands are tied in most matters of life and death and things of this sort, but I also do know, Santa, that level forecasts of Christmas magic are projected well above average this year, and Arnofo clearly believes, he he believes in that magic. And I know that most of the annual reserve of raw Christmas magic is Allocated for uses of flying the sleigh and the reindeer and the whole time standing still to deliver the presents on Christmas Eve But I respectfully request that you consider Arnulfo's request for his mother And I don't even know if these matters are things you're able to intercede in I don't know if there's anything you could do at all, sir But the letter weighed so heavily on my heart, I just had to bring it to your attention Arnulfo needs a little Christmas magic And it truly is my belief that sometimes, just believing good things can happen to people, sometimes that's enough, somehow. I believe that if we only have a little faith in the good and then try to do that good and then be absolutely amazing to everyone around us, the miracles can happen every day. Well, thank you for reading my request, Santa. And I truly hope you'll take this matter to heart. Best of luck with the journey this year, sir. And a very Merry Christmas to you. But the real truth is, there are people struggling and hurting and a need all around you. This time of year, or any time of year, consider donating your time or whatever you can afford to a local charity or a cause. Because in the end, we are all we have. So be good to each other out there. Chapter 3 Christmas Future. So there was this one Christmas where I made every excuse in the world to not travel home for the holidays. It's a long story, and it made sense at the time. But the point of it is sometimes our experiences and choices, as wrong as they may turn out, are nothing more than a lesson to be learned for the next time around. Whether you celebrate Christmas in any way or not, I hope you're at home with loved ones this year. This song, titled Noel, is the next up in my season two musical series, and the whole album is all yours when you visit support.storycastpodcast.com.
1: mobility And I just can't seem to sleep at night In this jungle of the bright Christmas light Can be so cruel When you always tend to forget that rule When the bank card is balanced And my left finger's calloused Empty mistletoe hung over our door When what to my wandering eyes should appear But another falling ornament On an ornamental year Now the gifts are all wrapped and I poured another ornamental beer And my mother said, my mother said That I should come home this year Insistency and piety to soul well making clear The white Christmas homecoming A jingle bell set me The silent night screams to me A candid note to me, just to make sure I remember, the warm partiality, the borders reality, and I can't seem to follow my heart, when I just don't know quite where to start. While the distance keeps us apart My world just keeps spinning Conversation can be so cruel When you always tend to feel like the fool When my excuses are no And my gas tank is full It's still hard to decipher my pose When out in the yard there arose such a clatter I tried to protest but I knew it wouldn't matter He said the sleigh is all ready And the reindeer fly steady And the flight path was charted for me We flew up so high Through the clouds and through the sky and he smiled and gave me a wink when we tore over the mountains i knew where we were going we crossed over the sound i saw home below glowing we landed below and his eyes said to go and i trudged through the snow to the blue. My mother said that I should be homeless here. Insistency and piety do so, and we well making clear a white Christmas homecoming, a jingle bell symphony. The silent night screams to me. A candid
0: The Storycast was written and produced by myself. I tweet at Russell Silva. This week, you heard music from the Singapore String Quartet, Jim Brickman, Matt Riley, Coe, Stephen Sharp Nelson, and myself. The Storycast continues on the last day in January with another chapter of life that tells the story of us through a common thread. So until next time, think, feel, and wonder a little bit more. The Storycast is supported by you.
1: Every time you click on our Amazon banner and shop, so head over to storycastpodcast.com and click or bookmark our Amazon ad and we get a kickback
0: on every order you make every time simple as that thanks